Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening whenever you are listening to us. Uh, we are Retro Fantasy, and again, I am Ani. Nice to see you again, and today I'm joined by Z. Say hello, Z. Hello. All right, and it's actually just the two of us today. Everyone else is on vacation, or at least that's what we're going to say. That's our story, and we're sticking to it. You know, the holidays, everyone gets a little busy. We're all a little more tired because we're either doing a lot of work at the before the break, or we're doing a lot of schoolwork or projects or etc. It's nice to have time to be able to just sit back and it's it'll be nice to sit back and just like you know talk fresh and you know about like stuff that's been going on things we're interested in and you know actively and active stuff we're just having some fun in because it's during this time of year it's i find that i'm busier than usual right so anytime any free time i do have i'm kind of like invested in very specific and hopefully fun things if it's not doing it for me i'm not doing like any putting much time into it around the season yeah and especially you know this time of season you know it's like everyone's kind of gearing up for the the big day christmas um you know whether shopping or anticipating what's coming and then of course uh, we recently had the game awards which uh i saw the review uh the review reveal excuse me i saw the reveal of the uh xbox series x which admittedly is kind of a stupid title for the console and it looks <laughs> it basically looks like a big black box which i guess is true to the name more than ever it, now. it looks like a desktop pc almost yeah, right, because it's it's a tower, right? Yeah, the, it's funny. Yeah, and uh, and I did see the gameplay trailer, the first gameplay trailer for the upcoming PS5 console, and I've seen some pictures of what it is, but I don't know if they're official or not because it looks like it kind of looks like a like a current PlayStation on its side, or I don't know, like like laid flat, but it was like a horseshoe indent in it. But I don't know if mm-hmm. that's the actual console or if that's just like more fan. Wait, tradition. are you talking about the PlayStation console or are you talking about the Xbox console? No, here? the PlayStation console. Because I saw the. Oh, I haven't seen any pictures of the new PlayStation console yet, actually. I mean, I, I've seen some concept ones, but I mean, I get. But they did reveal uh, the. I forget what game it was, but there was a game that was like the trailer was showing up for the PS5. It was like an RPG. It was not like an action adventure RPG looking thing, right? It was like a yeah. fantasy. Yeah. It looked pretty generic. I, <laughs> I know you talked to him i was like oh it's for ps5 you're like okay yeah i mean this is this is like the most you've heard about what's going on with the ps5 (laughs) so i was like okay this is cool uh i'll admit though it's like i'm kind of excited in a way i mean it's cool that we're finally you know reaching the 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 day of the new consoles coming out we're getting closer to it now but i also Mm -hmm. feel so much dread when they announce new uh, consoles because i've said it before in discord um you know i always am kind of iffy because you know consoles as they've been lately i mean they've been kind of exclusive to their generation they don't really do the backwards compatibility like some of the earlier ones like the ps2 and first generation ps3 tried to do and uh, on top Mm -hmm. of that you know a lot of consoles these days don't really like as soon as the new one comes out it's like you basically either got to jump on board or you're kind of screwed you know compared to like back in the day i remember when the super nintendo came out actually that the original nintendo still enjoyed i think like what two three years of uh releases and support you know for the first two three years of the super nintendo's life they took a long time to finally kill it off i mean I, I, this generation has felt pretty decently long actually i mean cons- considering i think like uh nothing's ever gonna top that ps2 era i think no uh, and to, like that was a system that lasted for like a long time and had probably the greatest game library right. in the history of video games that that system it lasted it lasted forever sold a shit ton of systems and probably has like like uh, in terms of the range of genres and all the experimentations that happened with the video game, video games in general, like nothing topped the Sony PlayStation Two era. 
Like that was when developers got really ballsy or really trying to mix things up. Anything that we see, most of the stuff we see in like the PS3, PS4 generations or the Xbox generation have not nearly been as innovative because they're mostly just taking the ideas from that PS2 era. Yeah, I mean, well, and a lot like, of the... In, sorry, go on. No, go on, go ahead. I was going to say, well, a lot of the games today mostly are just sequels or retreads or, like, spinoffs of those games anyway. No, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. My feelings on the new generation is like, okay, it's... What's interesting about this new generation is, I know, first of all, if I know you're worried about the backwards compatibility, I don't... Microsoft claims that they're going to be backwards compatible with every Xbox generation in this next system. And to a degree, they actually have been making good in that promise with their Game Pass and what they've been doing. Because because they had such a rough start this generation, they actually have gone out of their way to like make a lot of those 360 games and Xbox One game compatible on the current Xbox One systems. Right. So I'll give Microsoft a lot of credit for doing that. That's going to be one of their talking and selling points for this next upcoming console is that you'll basically be sliding into... It's just the next step. It's not like you're buying a completely new system. That's actually why they apparently call their new series, their new system, the Xbox One, Xbox Xbox Series Series X, X, which is a dumb name, but the idea is that they basically want to create their own Apple-like brand. Yeah. So they actually, they intentionally named it that way so they could be like, Xbox, welcome to the Xbox Series X Pro, welcome to the Xbox Series X Mini. Like they want to do like variations of their different tech products that sell the Xbox Game Pass and the Xbox service. And they're not, apparently, like, what they they decide is that they're not really just doing the console war anymore. They're doing the, they also want to just, they want to become like Netflix. Right. They want to become a true service and compete on the PC. They want to compete with Steam, Epic. Like, they want to be everywhere. Yeah. And that's actually a pretty, I like that. I mean, I do like that because that's something I think, especially in this day and age, with everything going digital, that's probably the best way to survive, honestly. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I actually kind of wonder just how how long we're going to still see physical releases of games. I mean, we already got websites that specialize in making physical copies of stuff that's like digital only now. So, you know, I'm every day or so, I'm always surprised that GameStop is, is alive in 2019. Like, uh, every, like every single time I step into a, a GameStop, it becomes smaller and smaller yeah. in terms of the walls of actual games you see on the wall. It's more filled with merchandise. It's it's kind of sad, but it's not. It's but it's where the industry is moving. Yeah, I mean, GameStop is kind of turning into. A, I don't know if you know. You heard of Hastings, right? Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's becoming Hastings 2.0. I mean, we're basically that's the next Hastings going to be GameStop. Just like this geeky Which, merchandise store. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, I'm, a, you know, because I'm not going to say GameStop were some virtuous game experiences. They they definitely took advantage of the industry and made oh, yeah. a crap ton of money off people at a particular time. They were basically were like, they, be, they were legitimate pawn shops yeah. for gamers. And they took advantage of like, you know, buying something at like as not giving a lot to the player at all and trying to sell for maximum profit used to like they. They had some sleazy practices, definitely, by far. But the the death of the brick and mortar and going to the store, just seeing a wall of stuff and, you know, having that occasionally fun conversation with an enthusiastic 
cashier. Those days are numbered. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're probably, I mean, I already know they're, they've started buying up like uh, electronics. I think some of them actually started selling like anime in their stores. I mean, you do see like racks of mm-hmm. t-shirts. Um, yeah, so I, I'm kind of waiting for the days when we'll finally see like comic books and, you know, and uh, it makes, And they should. I mean, they... It's. I mean, that's. It always makes me want. I mean, they might have to do what, uh, like you said. Um, maybe they might have to do like a bit of a hot topic thing, like yeah. where they just have to appeal to not just selling video games, but it's they're selling. Was it like um, they're selling a style, or they're selling an age group, or something? Like they have to. They're not. They can't just sell games anymore, and they they're already like that. Yeah. For me, at least, when I go into there, I, I feel like I mostly see Funko Pops, um, special socks, um, T-shirts. some obscure sculptures from nerdy things that aren't even video game related like a lot of my little pony stuff yeah, trading cards dragon ball statuettes i mean yeah exactly it's like it's uh it's everything but games yeah and and i i, I, I contribute to that problem for sure i if i do buy physical i'm, I'm I, I i succumb to amazon because it's just it's i just click the pre-order on amazon i don't have to think about it right and then and then i and then and most of the time it's on release day it just comes to my do- my door, so I don't have to go out and travel. I just come back and I say, "Oh, I got like a shipment alert. Oh, I got a- I got a new game." And yeah. that's what gaming has become. If you want to go physical, if you don't want to go physical, it's even better. <laughs> just click pre. You just tick. You just get the digital pre order, and it just downloads automatically, and you're yeah. done. Yeah, and even some games so. I've noticed they'll actually even like let you start playing a day early. It's like, oh, you got digital, cool. Guess what? You get to play before your friend. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, EA does that, right? Yeah, because EA does. has their special program that does that, and um, and that's a selling point. People put that into their um, services. Yeah, I mean, and Final Fantasy. I mean, even MMOs do that. Like Final Fantasy fourteen and WoW. I'm gonna say WoW does the same thing. They have their early beta. Yeah. It's not really a beta. It's early access. Excuse me, it's early access. You get to play for like three or four days before everybody else does. Yeah, and if, if you pre-order. Yeah, and uh, and I'll admit, I've, I I do pre-order, especially like you know, uh, what was it? what are we in Shadowbringer? It's like yeah, I mean, I did it for the Viera, so yeah, I did it too. I absolutely, I absolutely pre-order. I I don't, I know some people are pretty anti. Some people are really anti-pre-order. And it depends. I will pre-order something if I truly trust in the developer, if or if there's something about that particular set that I feel like is worth having. But the game has to still have a lot of value to me. I won't do. I won't pre-order everything, but I ha- I won't pre-order anything physical. Um, but um, you know, it, it just it has. It's very product dependent. Like I feel like there's some pre-orders that now in retrospect weren't worth it. Like I think it was like uh, one of the, the Batman Arkham games. Would I pre-order that now? No. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the games were great for what they were. Uh, you know, the the last one was probably the worst of the group, but I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. but you know, compared to the games I've played <clears throat> since those games, I mean, I can see so many reasons why I'm like, eh, it's not as great. As I remember, <laughs> especially the okay, like um, that's a good example of a. There was a pre-order. They just listed all the pre-order exclusives for Final Fantasy VII. Actually, that just came out like two days ago, or yesterday, or today, or something. And the pre-orders are like pretty lame. <laughs> it's like Amazon, you get like a PS4 theme. GameStop has like a metal, um, a, a tiny metal case that has a business card that has says that says Shinra on it. Huh. 
and it's like stuff, and, and it's just that's, and then I think I think I think Best Buy has like stickers. Oh man, uh, <laughs> for I the mean, pre-orders, and like, and it's like, okay, I guess it doesn't really matter where I order from. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if you if you want to encourage me to order specifically from something, uh, I mean, get me a pre-order version of where like Cloud will dress up in like two B's outfit, and you know, you know, complete with like the exploding dress part, and then 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 we're talking because that'd just be hilarious to see. And yet, and yet if that was true. That was retail exclusive. Fans would be so pissed. Oh yeah, <laughs> because that's like you know, because they'd be like, "What do you mean that, that that's exclusive to a retailer? Why does every version have that particular thing?" So I understand the need to have a lame pre-order sometimes yeah, because well, you have to kind of create you have to create out. If you make one retailer have something really good and the other ones are like terrible, then it's like I, I you know I think I, I forgot what there was a game that did that that there was a game that had it where one retailer had a distinctive advantage but i can't remember the game off the top of my head oh it was a code vein <sighs> it was code vein with the was it code vein yeah with the bath towels like everyone was pissed because apparently there was a japanese vendor exclusive that came with these bath towels that you could only get when you go into the hot springs and that's the only place your character would wear them but certain version of the game like if you got the ver- game from uh, this japanese retailer you could wear the bath towel mm-hmm. towel anywhere so you know and of course people were pissed because everyone wanted the bath towel so <laughs> And that's that's understandable because having a it's a pretty distinct. I don't mean it's not like a gameplay advantage, but that's a pretty distinct piece of glamour or clothing to be stuck to one vendor. I mean, they eventually <laughs> relented and gave it to everybody. I know because uh, recently when I opened up my copy of the game, it was like, "Hey, guess what? You got bath towels." I was like, "Oh." I was like, okay. It's like, I mean, oh, you got a bath towel. Yeah. I was okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> bath towels and stickers and all this stuff that was like exclusive to this vendor. Apparently, enough people raised cane that it's like now everybody has it. And I guess the whole reason why I didn't get <laughs> so, issue is because uh, some streamers got early edition copies that had all that, and people were pissed. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, streamers, influencers. <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes sense. <sighs> And sadly, I know we're moving to the next generation. That's only that whole pre-order thing that it's only going to increase or keep going this exclusivity and holding things back for the consumer because it's easy business. But you know, I, I, I'm I'm still looking forward to the. I'm still I'm always going to look forward to the next generation. So I don't because I but I don't care as much about the whole graphic i graphics point of view anymore yeah. i think there was a period of time back then i remember i think we were around the same we're we're at that same age group where like it was like oh this is 32 bit on the playstation one and then we have 64 bits on the on the n64 but yet one had a cd-rom and then we used to like you know that's a pretty you may would make comparisons between these two systems and then like you know we would th- we would i think we, you know we would think about all the technology and like how and technology would change how these games would play and everything would, would be a pretty pretty distinct jump up Visually. Yeah. But then we hit, I think, like the PS3 area. I would say it's around the PS3 era, that particular era, 360, where graphics stop being not, they haven't become as as impressive anymore. Like, we got to a really good place. Yeah. And I actually kind of, I think Nintendo is a big part of that, because while everyone else was boasting, oh my god, re- hyper-realistic, you know, lifelike graphics, you know, it's like the skin's like, you know, you'll see sweat on the skin, and the clothes tear, and the hair, you know, gets wet, and blah, 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 and then here's like, Nintendo was like, oh, we got Mario, I mean, it's pixels, but here you go, and that's the one everyone wanted to play. It's like, oh, I like pixel Mario. <laughs> and, and, and it created that old adage, that whole period of time with where everything just felt more like a tech demo, right. where everything was, um, it's like, it this looks so pretty, like you said. Like, oh, look at the sweat. Look at the clothes tearing. Is it fun? 
And usually the answer for most of the games that era were not really, but it's pretty. Yeah. But it'll be forgettable in a couple years. That or, you know, they had that problem was like, well, how long is the game? It's like, oh, it's about an hour. It's like, why is it so small? It's like, well, we had to have room for the graphics. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, like I said, I was thinking about it with them. I think like Call of, like this game awards, for example, they had like uh, Fortnite and uh, Call of Duty. They have all these other, these games, these certain AAA games winning awards. And I'm not going to say that all the awards were worth, you know, like I'm not going to say that Call of Duty didn't deserve it or Fortnite doesn't ever deserve it. But those are games I know in a few years are going to be like, uh, you know, that you're just like, like, we played this? What is this? Right. <laughs> like, you know, like they're just, they're, they're going to be replaced easily yeah. by a different version of that game and, you know, like uh, some different reiteration. Call of Duty, especially because there's so many titles in that franchise. I don't think there's many. People are going to be like, what's your favorite Call of Duty? Probably the last one. <laughs> <laughs> the last one I played. Not, not like the one that like earlier in the series or a specific number. It's going to be, uh, by the last one i played with my buddies that's the best that's, that's the best call of duty i played well, meanwhile something like final fantasy you could be like i i like i really like think four is the best one and like seven's the best one and that goes and that whole quality of that critical opinion runs a whole gamut yeah. of like 20 30 years which is impressive that's pretty that's pretty crazy well that and plus you know final fantasy has the advantage of actually having characters which call of duty does not i mean you know you what know are you talking well, about you know who calls well, what are you talking what are you talking about? When I pressed X to pay respects, I felt like I was really that character. <laughs> pay, pressing X to pay respects at that funeral. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's like nobody can forget generic uh, army soldier number 533, you know, <laughs> and how he paid respects. <laughs> or the occasional celebrity guest star. The one I'm thinking of is the one with like that has Kevin Spacey before he got into his whole controversy and, you know, being kicked out of Hollywood, but like he was playing like a major character in a Call of Duty game. <laughs> Oh yeah, it, you know it's that's all I remember about that game. Even seeing it is like, oh, Kevin Spacey was in that game. That guy did some bad things and press X to pay respect. Yeah. That's all I remember about that title. That's that's gone. And, yeah, I mean that's almost yeah. as uh, infamous as uh, like so and so will remember that from the Telltale games. <laughs> Which I mean, I'm but glad you know, I'll give. No, I was no say, go I'm, on. Sorry, I interrupt. No, that's cool. I was going to say, I'm glad to see that Wolf Among Us is actually getting its sequel, but I mean, I'll admit, I do kind of oh, hope man. they don't get uh, so-and-so will remember that. I mean, I kind of hope they do something new with it. I think they're going to do it, because that's such a trademark for their friend. Like, that's a trademark for the developers. But like you said, I think they have to do something, they'll probably do something new with it. Yeah, like... I hope it's more of a wink rather than a game feature. Like a wink at the, uh, the, the long-time Telltale fans. And I'll give Telltale a lot of credit, is that even if they went through all their shit, like all their financial problems, their engine issues, some quality issues occasionally, I re- I, I had a lot of fun with almost most of their titles because yeah. I appreciated there was some thought and there was some thought into the storytelling and there was some thought about some in the game at least to make it memorable. So like, you know, I'll always remember like, you know, something, even if it was like particularly, even if it was a weird, even if it was like an oddball game, like Telltale, at least try to make something pretty unique compared to everyone else in the industry. Yeah, and I mean, and they actually did put a lot of effort in it, trying to make a, a pretty decent story out of what they were given. So uh, I, it's one of the reasons I actually like the Telltale games, and I kind of hope yeah. it's a continuation of uh, Poker Night at some point because that was like one of my favorites. That would be pretty cool. I would love to see another Poker Night. And honestly, your the Wolf Among Us two announcement was a, probably the most shocking thing to come out of the entire 
award show. Oh, I don't think anyone predicted that was ever going to happen because we all knew that, like, uh, like you know, Skybound pretty much said, like, okay, we have to finish this game, like the last Walking Dead, we have to finish it, right. and we even had a truck, you know, the you know, just to finish the game, get it out to people who pre-ordered the the uh, the entire season. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they did it was because people paid for a season pass. They didn't want to get stuck in like a lawsuit, right? Um, <laughs> So they finished it. I thought that, and we all—I think most everyone thought, okay, that's it, we're done. And I remember actually, you—it was either you and I. One of us posted some news that Telltale was being revived, but we didn't think they were going to make games as right. or announce making games anytime soon. We thought it was just kind of like a dead body, like a some figurehead entity. But from what we understand, from what they're doing is they created a new studio full of all these ex-Telltale people who worked on the first Wolf Among Us and probably some of the probably other games as well. And they're going to be the ones working on this game. Yeah, which is cool. It's great. People get jobs. People are getting paid to do something they really like. And we get a sequel to a probably what many consider to be the best Telltale game they've ever made. And I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, you know, even, even if uh, the PC version is going to be Epic exclusive, I don't know if that's permanent or for like a year. But that's okay. I mean, I'll wait for the Switch version or I, hell, they might put it on PS5. Well, honestly, if it's Telltale, what they used to do, it depends on how their engine works out first. I mean, obviously, they, 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 if they update their engine and they make it pretty easy to port stuff then like all the other telltale games it's going to be launch it should be launch day launch day console for sure yeah they're not going to delay it i think so i don't think you have to worry about having to deal with the epic store if you want to play it i think if you want to play it on like ps5 or uh switch it that would be, definitely be there on launch day yeah i don't think they'll they'll screw over people because they make it i know they made a bunch of their money if they did make when they did make money were off consoles yeah, and I think they and they're not dumb enough to think that like um like oh if we make this epic exclusive only we're gonna make all this money. Yeah, I, I think some of the other people who went in on the epic exclusive deal have kind of learned that. I mean, yeah, they can make money, but it, but for the long term, it's not as good as if you had more options on where it went. Speaking of an epic exclusive game, um, the Untitled Goose game had their whole Muppets thing at the uh, the award show, which was amazing. That was a, a really it, it, of everything that could, it's usually cringeworthy at, at at humor at an award show like the the game awards though especially it, it hit it hit its mark a hundred percent in terms of just being funny and original. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I like that skit. It, it's like, it was probably one of the only good, I mean, cause I went back and I, cause I didn't get to see the awards show. So I went back and I watched like a lot of the stuff and uh, yeah, mm -hmm. that one was probably easy. Like the best, like, you know, non game focused skit they had like the whole night. They must've talked to the, um, the developers for um, the untitled goose game to be like, can you mod or can you put him inside the, can you put a uh, beaker into the video game? <laughs> <laughs> and so they actually had a they put a beaker in there as a model and they decided to just have them interact and do stuff and that's pretty fun like it also makes me wonder like does this mean they there is a lot of modding potential does this mean they could add on to this game like yeah. and actually do packs or something because i would be all for that for this particular game yeah i mean i would too i could kind of see it kind of having like a goat simulator style longevity where it's like they'll just keep releasing extra content for it as time goes on yeah, just because uh, they just have to make an um, extra laundry list, more laundry list of objectives, but just maybe release 
maps over time. Because um, what's a good example of a game that actually does a great job of this? Um, Overcooked. Have you played Overcooked? No, I've been meaning to though. Okay, Overcooked. Uh, yeah, for the for those who don't know, is uh, you basically it's basically a multiplayer game where you have to work together to work in a restaurant, or cafe, or some type of cook setting, and you and you have to deal with like cooking hazards like fiery flames or like rotating tables or things beyond your control essentially and you have to like work with like your other you're not you're never competing against somebody you're trying to work with your partner but it's mostly chaotic <laughs> it's very chaotic cooperative gameplay and it's not for everyone i've had incidents where i try to play with my my i only know about this game because my sister um family they love playing it together because huh. it's mostly my sister and my sister and my brother-in-law is uh barking orders at each other and they get into fights all the time over this game like you know like flip those fucking hamburgers where the fuck are my hamburgers put it on the buns catch up catch up motherfucker <laughs> and they'll even like they won't swear I'm, I'm i'm exaggerating but like they have their um they have my nephews play and then and they don't like yell at my nephews but they even get stern with my like six-year-old nephew <laughs> being like oh, you need to pay attention buddy I'm a, you need to pay attention. Pay attention. Oh, I need you to wash. I need to I need you to clean those plates. Pay attention. <laughs> and they take it very seriously. So, but what, I mean, that's the game itself in a nutshell. It's pretty fun if you are okay with the idea of chaotic co-op. But what the one thing the developer does is that every three months or they release new maps for free or paid. Huh. And they do it based on a seasonal thing. So they do like a Chinese New Year one, a winter one, a Thanksgiving packs, uh summer, and they've been doing and they that's how they support the game over time. They don't make everything free, but but the people who play it get so invested that they feel like they can th- they can easily throw ten bucks to support the game and get a bunch of free maps and new characters. Oh, that's cool. And it's not like a lot of maps, it's like four maybe four five or six maps but that's enough to like say like okay this is a model we can use for other games and i think untitled goose game would benefit from that model yeah of like you know just throwing like imagine if they could do like um make a new map where it's like like in the winter like they could be testing new physics with like the goose playing in the snow and like maybe making a snowman like steel clothing to basically create your own snowman oh that'd be cool yeah, something like that, or they could do something that's like Christmassy, where he's like, it's like the Grinch list. <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically stealing, going to the houses and stealing. With you actually get an indoor map, um, and you can steal stuff from like people's houses and put it underneath like a a tree in like the plaza or something. Oh man! So like, there's so much potential. Yeah, I kind of would like to see like a Goose's World Quest, where it's like you just like see him in other different like settings. Or like even like maybe some kind of crossover game like like a Goose Game X Zelda where it's like you know one of the objectives is to get like a bunch of the Kokus to j- join you in chasing Link around the village. Uh, no, I would, I would I think that'd be great. That would be awesome. And I think Nintendo is in a good position to do that because I, I think they did um they did the game Hyrule Cadence of Hyrule was it? Yeah, it was their it's it's that Zelda it's that Zelda mini rhythm game, but it's from an indie developer making it. And I think yeah. they could do the same thing with the entire goose game like you said do it with the with the like do it with the zelda twist yeah. or even with a goomba twist oh yeah i mean <laughs> you know they could do all sorts of things yeah and nintendo's been showing they're willing to cross over i mean we also have like mario and rabbids which is actually a pretty good game too so i think mario's i think that nintendo's always good with it if they feel like the developer can deliver right and i think like nintendo doesn't have like the partnerships with their developers is based on like one is bloody nintendo they're like they're everything about them is pretty triple a except for maybe pokemon nowadays but everything about them is triple a so they have to have like confidence in like 
a third party developer yeah. to deliver on like their ideas. Like if they have um, they have the relations with Platinum, for example, um, the developer you mentioned, uh, Rabbids for Ubisoft, and I think and they have a pretty decent relationship now with um, the Dynasty Warriors people actually. Yeah, like and they they have Bakoi Temko Tecmo, the Dynasty Warriors developers specifically yeah. and they use course, them to basically uh, develop the new fire emblem yeah and then of course they got like all the developers they're partnering with for smash brothers which that is probably the most insane thing ever <laughs> well actually what's funny about smash brothers i read a polygon article about it apparently like all a lot of the smash brothers mechanics are taken from i guess the developer for smash brothers um Oh, Sakurai? Sakurai. He's a huge fan of SNK. Like, he's the biggest SNK fan in the world. More, they're probably more than Capcom, actually. Um, because I because a lot of the mechanics, apparently, I guess it's Smash Brothers, are actually more inspired by SNK games I could see that. than any Capcom or any other fighting game. So a lot of, like, the stuff that you, like, admire in Smash Brothers in terms of all the air game, the rolling, the dodging mechanics, super moves, are mostly more based on King of Fighters than anything based on... Mod. So that's why, like, when they added Terry Bow guard to that game from fatal fury people were like who is this guy but like there was a lot of love they put they put into bringing that character and a bunch of its cast into the game yeah and it's because sakurai himself is such a huge nerd a fighting nerd that he probably considers that like the pinnacle of like fighting like of his fighting history as a gamer yeah <laughs> probably inspired him with first smash brothers to do like all sorts of things yeah, and I, I don't blame him because, I mean, I love the Smash Brothers game, so... Or, I mean, Smash Brothers. Uh, I love the SNK King of Fighters series. Yeah, they were funny. They, even if they were repetitive at times, they were, like, they like all that three-player, three-on-three and all that stuff. Like, it's it's good. It's fun. All the characters feel distinct, unique. They they rarely have clones. They don't have many clones. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's impressive. It really is. And plus, the, it's like all of them kind of, you know, they kind of stick with you. It's like, they're, they're not generic. I mean, they all go out of their way to like give them some unique designs or personalities or move sets. I mean, I can't. I still think they could have put. They still could have put Mai in the game. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I they could have. I mean, they could have. But I feel like Sakurai. I mean, we talked about this briefly on Discord. But like, but I feel like Sakurai loves SNK so much. He figured that he just didn't want to do a disservice to the character and yeah. felt better just leaving her out completely. Well, <laughs> that and plus, you know, I mean, she's probably one of the most racy characters in the fighting genre. So and Smash. I, I mean, I, she has outfits that they could have clothed her up. Actually, they have outfits. I think where she's mostly more covered up yeah. but her it's true that her jiggle is a big part of that like you know it's a big part of like the setup the taunting and that's how she toys with other players so to speak yeah. it's just shaking the goods Right, and, uh, <laughs> so. and for a game series where they like to pay homage to like you know like the history of the character they put into the game i mean you know they wouldn't mm -hmm. kind of have to put in that the skimpier outfit was <laughs> where the jiggles are mm -hmm. pronounced it's true yeah because i thought about what they had to do with xenoblade 2 where they in order to bring um one of the characters into xenoblade they had to give basically give her like hot pants oh yeah or they had to give her black leggings in order to get her i guess her her fighter spirit into the game but that character didn't have any specific jiggle like it was just that was just a character design and ironically it made her design more appealing for most gamers they were yeah. like ooh black leggings I, that's a that's another fetish i didn't realize i had <laughs> Oh, yeah, the stock stockings. <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then, and of course, you got like Bayonetta. I mean, you know, it's like I think Smash Brothers is the only game where you don't see her, like, you know, kind of go fully bare. So it made me realize that Bayonetta, too, she wasn't as racy anyway. I because that seems to be the Bayonetta they're going after is like they're basing it more on her two, her two actions, and two compared to one, it felt like she wasn't nearly as 
racy or you know adult quote unquote yeah. like it was just a lot more action it was more like she was it was more bombastic actions and her doing ridiculous things yeah. it was like i didn't feel like i was noticing her nudity or her making her hair and covering her body nearly as much in two versus one one it was more blatant yeah like one was more one of was like oh that's a naked sarah palin <laughs> 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 I, I think so. in one it was more for the sake of just trying to get her get her the stick but when in two since now she's kind of under nintendo's umbrella i think they can just be relaxed and like okay it doesn't matter it's like she's gonna succeed now <laughs> like yeah you know, once you get under nintendo's umbrella you're pretty much set forever that's true that's true oh did you see i was gonna say since we're talking about platinum briefly did you see the new trailer for uh i think i share a discord i guess they have a new uh game they're making with square Oh yeah, that's like uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I um if you saw it on Discord, it's like a fantasy game that looks like they're doing like a fantasy version of Astral Chain. Huh. I must have missed that one. Yeah, I know they're doing a uh, Bravey Default too. No, it, it was something. I um, it's on Discord somewhere, but um, it was a um, it, it came out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I, I someone else posted it um on one of my other discords that I follow, but it was it looks like it's platinum and square. And at first, I was like, oh man, it's near. T- it's another near game, but it's not that. It's um, it just seems like an action RPG, hmm. and there seems to be a lot of that same like whip chain stuff going on, but oh. it doesn't seem like it's like a. Oh, I know which one mm-hmm. you're talking about. I saw. I can't remember its name, but it's the one where they're they're all dressed like they came out of Dark Souls. Like they're all Dark Souls uh, dropouts, basically. But yeah, they got that. Aspect. Yeah, that's what. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, like, it's one of those things where I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. They're teaming me up again." But then I'm thinking, like, um, is this this game? I need to see more to get really excited about this. <laughs> Cause, cause it's just, it feels like, it feels like it's fantasy. It, it, you have, it, it ticks the right boxes in terms of it being a platinum game and having looks like pretty cool action, the right partners involved in making a game like Square. But in terms of the visual aspect of that trailer, like in terms of the action, the fact that I'm just trying to summarize it as like fantasy astral chain, you mentioned Game of Thrones, I'm sorry, uh, Dark Soul Rejects. I feel like it needs to have another hook to it. Yeah, for me to get a little more excited beyond that, because as much as I like that, like you know, because I, I, if it's just like I'm like 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 Astral Chain, like well, I've already played Astral Chain. Yeah, I, I don't need to play it again in a fantasy setting. So <laughs> you have to show me a bit more. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you gotta, you kind of have so, to like do something to like kind of get me more interested than oh, medieval astral chain go. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, which is great. So yeah, exactly. I just need a little more oomph over there, but um, but um, you know the game awards. Aside from that whole Untitled Goose game reveal and some of that other stuff going on, like, it actually was, Jim Sterling made a point saying it was less corporate than before. Like, not all corporate, but there weren't that many announcements um, of new stuff going on. And, and, and he mentioned that there seems to be a push that, that maybe um, developers or publishers advertising their products, like, like they don't need these game award shows as much to advertise it anymore. Right. They have their own private avenues, their own streaming. They have their own marketing methods now, essentially, to get the their big reveals across. They don't like the, that's why he mentions that this is kind of like what happened to E three, where yeah. you're not getting as much of the big announcements at E three. People just want it. They'll just host their own streams. They'll find a time in the year to just reveal a bunch of new things, and then that'll be it. Yeah. Uh, and they'll do it on their own as opposed to doing it at a festival or at like a big public event. Yeah, which I think Nintendo's actually the one who started that trend. And speaking of them, I think outside of uh, their former uh, president, I don't think there was anything from them at this uh, awards show, was there? 
Um, the only things that were mentioned um, that would be exclusive to them that I was excited about was Bravery Default 2. Yeah. But I wouldn't even say that's like a Nintendo thing. That's a Square thing. Right. That just happens to be Nintendo exclusive. So yeah, Nintendo themselves had nothing to announce. Everyone was actually anticipating that they were going to announce a Smash Brothers character reveal, <laughs> but it didn't happen, which was surprising. Nah, they're, probably, <laughs> so. they're probably holding off for now. They want to, they're probably like gearing up some, uh, what do they call it? Like, well, there were, house. there was a very interesting rumor going around that the last uh, character, at least some one of the me parts they're going to do for the final pack is going to be based off of doom. Oh, that'll be awesome. So like, I guess like somebody, some of the, um, the journalist sites mentioned it, but I guess like they found models or stuff related connected to like the old doom games. Or like maybe like a Doom Doom protagonist head or something like that, and Cyber Demon or something like that in the Nintendo stuff. Oh, I mean that would actually be pretty cool. If that was the final character for a Smash Brothers game, I would accept that. I would absolutely accept Doom Guy. Um, even though I know he has, his, does he actually have a name? I forget. No, it's actually. I think only the only time they tried to give him a name was in Doom Three, but every other instance has just been Doom Guy. Because Wolfenstein is like BJ Blazowitz, right? Yeah, he has a car. He has a name, but not the Doom Guy, I believe. Like you said. So, like, I would actually accept him wholeheartedly as the final a fighter pass character God. if they if they want to implement him. Only because Doom as a game is such a like in gaming history, like that's like the the granddaddy. Of yeah. like FPSs, FPS games becoming like popular, most people getting their first bit of old school gaming. Not only that, but it's also the game that like you know like made the initial push for like adult, more adult oriented games was like all the blood and gore and hell references. I mean, it w- it would be kind of a, a mistake not to have the Doom guy, honestly. I mean, would they? Ha- I mean, they would have to censor some stuff. Obviously, they oh, wouldn't yeah. have a bunch of blood gushing around. But they could probably put a cyber demon up there as a, you know randomly as a as um a uh, assist <laughs> or an ultimate, <laughs> just a cyber demon coming out. Or um, but and they could just have a lot of artillery and gunfire as weaponry and different. The BFG. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say his ultimate could be like the BFG or like his enraged mode where he just basically one shots everybody. <laughs> and the reveal trailer could be like Ridley, like Ridley's just beating up everybody and all of a sudden you see Doom Guy coming in. <laughs> uh, just, and it just beating the, the crap out of Ridley. <laughs> oh man, and I could just imagine the remix for the Doom music they would put up for that. It would be it would be Samus teaming up with um Doom Guy oh. fighting against Ridley. That would that's a that's a crossover. That would make sense. That, that would be an amazing I, crossover. I would love to see oh, that yeah. crossover. Oh yeah, definitely. I would I'm all over that. <laughs> I mean, that's the, when I played the was the other the other not the the Metroid Prime games were definitely had some inspiration by the old school id games, definitely with the first person setting. Oh yeah. In that sense of loneliness, yeah. I mean, hell, they felt, they <laughs> so. felt like they like uh, the Metroid version of Doom in a lot of ways. I mean, they were just as dark mm-hmm. sometimes. But uh, I mean, but I was going to say that aside though, like the video game rewards or awards, yeah. Admittedly, I, I think I don't see them being as relevant as much as they have been because, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, there's so many different ways people can like reveal their stuff now that I don't see them being around much longer. It's more of a 
she was like the Oscars, you know, nobody really cares as much. <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? Because like this, like stuff like the Oscars, the Golden Globes, right? Yeah. A lot of the ratings that people care about, they, they air on network TV and they have, they still use Nielsen ratings. They don't stream anything online. You have to watch it on a particular, um, ABC or Fox or one of the basic channels. Right. And that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, and then that's considered a, um, what's it called? A meter for a success. That's how they gauge if, it, if, if people give a shit about those award shows but something with the award the game award show is funny is that they do make a big deal out of it but you don't have to you can watch it pretty much on anything for free yeah so gauging the success of the that show is probably what dependent on the amount of viewers that pop in on social media and to um to like pretty much catch and watch these reveals or watch the, like so it's a it's a little different from that and it just makes me wonder and I'm and this is probably a little off topic but like why don't all award shows do that hmm. at this point <laughs> like why do we care if it's on CBS or ABC at this point I would like, imagine if, like if, if of contracting that was set up years and years probably ago. I mean because I, I know sometimes the Golden Globes pops up on different networks and sometimes the Oscars isn't always on ABC it might be on NBC occasionally but in order to reach the greatest viewership and advertising can still ha- happen on streams especially right right like stream like so like why can't we just switch to that and i'm sure what i'm saying is there's probably some network guy that's like oh god please no <laughs> well, we can't I'm, have it i'm pretty sure like a lot of broadcast companies would just hate for that to be a thing because i mean they're really struggling as it is against like netflix and disney plus and hulu like the last thing we need is like our big award show getting taken up by the internet too. No, but but, but yeah, exactly. But I'm just thinking like in terms of how their how the audience has changed and how the market has changed in terms of how we can market and advertise to people. And like I said, this is beyond the scope of what we should talk about in this podcast. Like, why can't the Oscars be like the game show and just like stream on YouTube right. and then like Twitch or the, and then on their website on um, and just do it all throughout. More people would actually tune in to watch. Yeah. They could still do the same level of advertising I if guess, it was for an advertiser purpose. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess it's because they also kind of don't respect their audience. Like they probably still think a lot of the people who watch are like those kind of people. Like, oh, I don't know how to use a computer. It's like, what's this button do? Why is my screen blue? Or they could, but they could still broadcast it on network on on the networks if they wanted to. Right. They just they just have, they they should. I just feel like they they should consider offering those streams that, for that stuff on YouTube at the same time at this point yeah no, i hear you i hear you and offer like the same commercials only oh, because i feel like we're in that era now of like because I, I i mean not to get into politics but even like with the impeachment hearings and stuff i have been watching some of it and yeah it's depressing stuff i don't recommend watching it but i i just watch out of habit yeah but you can watch it for free online and it's completely fine yeah and i sometimes think like you know everything should just that's you know everything that's kind of public and a big spectacle like that i feel like deserves to maybe just be a stream at this point just watch it if you want to make some money do advertising you know yeah <laughs> just do what you have to do but so like the game award stuff is interesting in the sense that like that level of success is probably based on viewer count. Um, they're probably using people, how many people tune in to watch as the major way of determining if it's worth doing another one. Right. And that'll probably be um, the only, that's the only gauge of success I imagine they have to look at something like this. And I think, it, and I think historically it does pretty well. 
because it's you know it's a very nerdy thing to kind of go together and pretty much live stream, live blog, live react to what's happening in the award show. And even and despite the fact the viewer knows that most of these award winners are mostly BS and potentially fixed. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe. But like we still people still get pretty into it and discuss it loudly, and they'll get angry when their specific game that they happen to have played doesn't get the award over a game they haven't played. Right. Like I remember, um, was it um, was it a uh, Disco Elysium? Like won a bunch of awards, and people were like, "What is this game? <laughs> why? Why did this beat out a world? Why did this beat out a world? What do you mean this has a better narrative than Death Stranding? Yeah. What better better narrative than Control? What is this game? What's going on here?" <laughs> Uh, I, I did see. So, uh, I did see like uh, I'm part of a group on Facebook that's like Final Fantasy 14. And I did see a lot of people like going off about how I guess Fortnite won the oh, for for the best ongoing game or whatever. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Drake. It was funny. I was actually watching it with Drake a little bit, and Drake was just like, yeah, "That's bull." He said, "I think he just typed immediately like, well, that's bullshit.'" <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, and I I agree, but I haven't played Fortnite, right? I, right. you know, it's, and I admit that sometimes, I guess for that particular audience, Epic does treat that base well. So comparing my experience with 14, despite the fact that 14 has had a great year, um, it's, um, yeah, I think, I still think it's a little bullshit. 14 had a great year. Fuck Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, don't, I don't care about Fortnite dances. The only thing I thought that was cool about Fortnite is reading about how they basically decided to destroy their universe and do a, like a completely different season three. The way they marketed that seemed pretty brilliant. Yeah, but everything else about the game does not intrigue me whatsoever. It's not my game. It's not my community. I don't give a shit about it. But I appreciate something where you basically blow something up and you're like trying to get and you get you need to keep your players in suspense. Right. Like that's brilliant marketing. But everything else sucks. Yeah. Though, to be fair, I think they stole that idea from uh, Final Fantasy fourteen because that was basically the transition from 1.0 to A Realm Reborn, if you really stop and think about it. That's true. <laughs> and um, I think, like, actually, Kotaki wrote an article about fourteen recently. Or was it Kotaki? It was Destructoid or one of those guys who wrote, saying that fourteen was probably, in, in this decade, because people are doing, like, their big 2010 list now. Yeah. Like, of the 10s of saying, like, oh, like, you know, what were, what were like, some standout things that happened in this decade and 14 has hit a lot of those lists as being such an important game yeah in terms of like being like it's like one of the great decade games because if what it rep- not just being like a pretty really good mmo that finally competes with wow but in terms of being a true success story despite yeah. being a failure like you don't get stories like what happened to 14 and it should be a model that everyone should aspire to yeah and so far i mean the only other one i can think of off the top of my head who has was no man's sky yeah, which I haven't gone into at all. But I appreciate the stories or the, the, the development story I've heard about that, where they basically had to win their player base back yep. and basically make good on their promises. And they have, essentially, from what I've heard. You know, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy, actually, to think that we've actually entered near the end of a decade of gaming. Oh, I know. Because there were a couple times where I was just like, uh, someone wrote something like, I was like, oh, this is on the list. And I'm like, really? What about this game? And I'm like, oh, wait, that was 2000s. <laughs> Damn, that's a long time ago. Good God. <laughs> yeah. More crazy to think of everything that's happened. Like, I mean, you know, we've seen the rise and 
slowly the fall of like microtransactions and games. I mean, loot boxes are finally starting to go away a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on the game, companies, you know, yeah, and companies that were supposedly good back then are now terrible, and companies that became terrible early on are now good. Yeah, <laughs> near the end of this decade, like if you told me at the beginning of the decade that Blizzard would be hated as much as it is, right? I would tell you like, no, that fan base would never ride on them. That's ridiculous. Or the way that um, Beth- Beth- uh, Bethesda's really just screwed everything over because you because at least prior to the beginning of the decade, I think at least I would all I would say was like, oh. I know they make games that people like. Yeah. Maybe I haven't played them, but I know that it has its fan base and they won people over with, you know, what it tried to do. But now at the end of the decade, it's like, now I read about these stories and I'm like, well, like you heard about what they did recently in their Fall 76 bug. Yeah. Where I guess the armor gets weaker and weaker. Yeah, like you reload your gun <laughs> and, and like, apparently like it causes damage to your weapons and armor or something. like like, why like it's like why are people still playing this game and supporting them honestly (laughs) i kind of wonder if they just just keep playing just so they can see what kind of stupid ass bugs will pop up i mean that's like the i guess Uh, i i I kind of understand there's some people that will just kind of stick with the ship and the there'll always there'll always be people that like something despite the fact that everyone else hates it right i mean that's you know there's always going to be that fan base and i i it's like I, i i there are some games that people don't like that I end up liking myself, right? right? You mentioned that with Pokemon, for example, where, well, in that case, most people generally do like that game, but even with all the bad criticism, you seem to be having a great time with Pokemon. Oh, right? yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if it's just because, you know, I'm an old, like, red and blue guy who's coming back in or what, but I mean, I don't know, all the criticisms I've heard, you know, and luckily I've, I, well, I shouldn't say luckily, but I mean, I've noticed they've kind of died down now that the game's been out for a little bit. They're still there, but not as bad. But I think I think overall, I think a lot of the criticisms were just people were just mad because things are changing and nobody likes change. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of understand why they made the changes. Like uh, the national decks thing, I get it. It's like, you know, having over a thousand Pokemon, even on, you know, the most powerful console would be a pretty taxing thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms mm-hmm. of like just rendering and loading and balancing and all that crap. I mean, the animations, yeah. Some of them are pretty terabad, but I mean, I think people would be really pissed off if you actually saw like a couple of Pikachus jumping and clawing and biting on each other, <laughs> you know, like an, like a creature looking like they do would. That, you know, and and personally for me, I mean, I like the giant monster thing, you know, maybe that's because I'm a Kaiju fan, uh, you know, and I also like the fact that Pokemon is one of those series where you can basically, you can find uh, some random creature that's, you know, scourge of the ninth dimension, devourer of, wor- of worlds and souls, and, you know, the harbinger of the end times, and, like, yet some kid who's, like, 10, 12 years old walks along, bops it in the head with a ball, it gets sucked into the ball, and then the kid sets up a little camp, lets the creature back out, and then what did they, what's that creature do? It bats at a little stick, uh, that a feather on the end of a stick, and then waits for them to make food. And happily eats whatever the little kid puts in front of them. It's like, I mean, it's so ridiculous that it, you can't help but admire it, you know, especially when they got their little happy-go-lucky expressions on their face and all that. Yeah, I, I've had a fun, I, a fun time. It varies, like my nephew. My, sometimes even my nephew notes that the game isn't very good at places. Yeah. He'll, like, I think he actually looked at me. He's he's really young, but he'll look at the game and be like, he's just like, this looks like Pokemon Let's Go. Yeah. <laughs> Like he'll just he'll acknowledge that this game like it, like you know like if the animation's kind of crappy I don't know if that's my fault but he'll be he'll say stuff like it's like this is like you know how come he's not doing more 
Yeah. Like, you know, how come he's not, you know, ever, and like, you know, why is this slowing down here? Or they'll say like, you know, how come there's nothing happening here? So it, like, I think, I, I think for all the faults, I, I think it's one of those Pokemon, this particular game, like, I think the complaints are mostly legitimate. And I'm putting aside Pokedex stuff. The Pokedex stuff just means that the fans are very passionate. Right. It means that people really care about the franchise. But the Pokedex stuff, I feel like, wasn't what most people get angry about. I think it's mostly everything else now. Like, it was it was a small thing that annoys you, but then it makes you reflect on the fact that... They were reflecting on the fact that the developers say, like, okay, we're making an amazing game because we're sacrificing the Pokedex. That's what they said. I think that's what the developers right. said. And so the fans decided to cling on to, cling on to that and say, like, okay, if you're cutting out, like most of these Pokemon, you have to deliver on the rest of the game for us who are complaining about this. Right. And for most of the fans, they didn't deliver on the, on the polish. Yeah. And, um, and that's fair. I think it's a fair thing to say because I, there are, even I don't play a lot of Pokemon games, but I even I acknowledge I'm like, like some stuff in this game is pretty poor. Right. And there are some very charming aspects of the game. And I feel like it's going to be a fun game regardless because Pokemon itself as a formula, it's inherently a fun concept. Yeah, I mean, and you'll have a lot of it. You'll have a lot. Of, it's, like, it's the same with a Dynasty Warriors game where you know what you're getting yourself into, and you you you're, and you'll be having fun with it. It would take a lot for a Dynasty Warriors game if you're a fan of that particular style to not be fun anymore. Right. And I don't think that 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 has not happened with this Pokemon game. But I feel like the complaints that people have had um, in terms of quality assurance and of some of the stuff they've been slacking on a bit needs to be addressed definitely in the next game. Right. And uh, and. And, and I think, yeah, I agree completely, like 100%. I agree. I, but I also kind of want to give them, I also give them a little bit of a leeway because, yeah, I mean, I'll admit it's like it does have its flaws, but I also kind of give them that leeway in that, okay, well, we're talking about a company that for decades now has basically worked on the limitations of a handheld device. So maybe this is just them trying to kind of dip their feet into, you know, something a little more powerful than, you know, a 3DS mm-hmm. or an advanced or whatever Game Boy, you know, they, they're used to working on. So, and, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, trends continue like they have been. I'm pretty sure we're in about a year from this game's release. We're probably gonna, we're, we're probably more than likely gonna see Sword and Shield reforged or rearmored or you know whatever quirky. No, it, it'll you know. be like um, it's gonna be like Pokemon um, Spear and Axe in Hawaii <laughs> and 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 like another in Antarctica or some other region and they'll have something completely different that seems to be a lot like that's a lot of that Pokemon formula yeah well, <laughs> and they'll, they'll, they'll bump the region so they can add new Pokemon they'll change the title up a bit uh, I think you're right I agree with you that there are in terms of the whole word if it's the same dev team and they're not quite used to it I'll, I'll forgive that for sure right. but it does mean that it doesn't but it won't excuse them for the next title they do right because now that they got their it, it can right. excuse for this one exactly right they've had their experience working on this one they've dealt with complaints they have a launch list from other these fans that are pretty mostly legitimate like you know things to look at if they don't actually rectify any of what these fans are complaining about in the next game or take the or just take a little time to at least work it in i think like you know they have a small pokedex like this one I, I, i put small in quotations right I don't think having the entire, you know, like, but if they have that, you know, a similar size Pokedex, but implement a lot of these quality of life polishes and features and everything, 
you know, that's the game that people want. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and that's what they should do. They should definitely focus on, you know, fi- now that they got everything in place, they need to now work on fine tuning it. And and I will say, don't worry about the Pokedex. I mean, you don't have to put all the Pokemon in. In fact, you know, I would recommend not doing that so you can actually kind of focus on the ones that are there. And honestly, I kind of want to see more uh, Gigantamax ones. I mean, I, I, I love that concept. I mean, you know, it's like I, never, I wasn't around for the Mega Evolutions or the Z moves or whatever they were called. You know, but apparently mm-hmm. the Dynamax uh, Gigantamax that we got in this game is basically kind of just a retooled version of those because I guess those were horribly unbalanced from what I hear. So this is kind of their way of trying mm-hmm. to make it more competitive worthy. And I like it. I mean, I like oh. it. One of my things I'm doing right now is just trying to get all the unique Gigantamax ones. I already got five of them, so I'm not sure how many there are. in total. Are you near the end of the game? Yeah, I'm actually like two badges away from finishing the gym challenge. And then I think after that is like the championship uh, tournament. Is there um, rating that you do? Is is the rating post game, or is it stuff you could do during like this period of time that you're working on the game? Oh, you can you can start that at the very beginning if you wanted to. Yeah, I I tried because um, I heard from people about rating that's pretty bad, but it's also but I can forgive that obviously because they haven't done a raid like this before. I'll admit, <laughs> like you know, it's kind of I have not had any success in like getting other people to join me when I do the raids, but like you know, you can solo, you can go in by yourself do the raids, and I've had no problem defeating a lot of the mm-hmm. pokemon the only real issues i have and i've had other people complain about this it's like when you're in the wild areas where you can go into these raids um they do kind of what's the word i'm looking for they basically kind of limit you to what you can catch or even what kind of raids will spawn depending on how many badges you got and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of cheap <laughs> like you know that's kind of cheap and a cheap way to like kind of force you into going that going badge hunting because I- yeah people uh that was one of the complaints that people had it was a um it was kind of like a lazy progression model yeah they said like it was and especially because i think it, it also ruins a specific type of pokemon style that some people like to have which yeah. is you know kind of hunting out of their comfort zone right you know so i I remember that was one of the complaints i think they hopefully would address something like that in a future title i mean i do like that you can over level your pokemon you know ridiculously but yeah i hate how Mm -hmm. it's like when it comes to catching them like i could have like a level 50 something but if i don't have so many amounts of badges i can't catch this level 20 uh snorlax or whatever it's like yeah that's kind of (laughs) stupid you know (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, okay, it's 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 in a way Pokemon. This Pokemon game, despite the negativity around some of it from a portion of the fans, it's also pretty critic proof. It's a Pokemon game. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to try doing cute things. It's got to, it's going to ha- have uh, the whole collection aspect and kind of basically create like your own monster pocket monster fighting team. Right. Is a universal concept that can't get old. It would take a lot for Nintendo. I, I don't even know if this is really Nintendo. Though. It'll take a lot for the Pokemon company to really fuck this up. And I think maybe they got close in some ways with how the, the fans have reacted. But it would take, like, like in order for people to really turn off on this game completely, they probably would have had to, like, you know, have one of the developers shit on a disc and then put it in the box. Right. <laughs> in order for people to be like, I'm not going to play this game. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a, no matter what, I feel like regardless of the age group, and despite the fact I still think they're targeting a younger demographic, at this point because that's pretty much that's expected right. um i you know it's, it's still like a pretty all ages concept of just collecting things yeah and i mean and, you know and, and of course everyone's got their favorites i mean you know i've i've found a few that i'm like i'm really like big on like oh i want this in my group and uh mm-hmm. 
you know, but I mean, like you said, it's like, it's a timeless formula that they could like, you know, they can use forever probably and not screw it up. But, but like I said, and sometimes, I mean, look, uh, and it, it, it reminds me of dynasty wars. I really like dynasty wars, but there's some, there'll be some dynasty warriors games where I'll be like, yeah, I don't want this. Right. <laughs> this is one particular reiteration of the formula that I'm, I'm not interested in, right. but they'll have some reiteration of the formula that just work perfectly. And I'm in the total mood for it. And, and it hits that specific, gaming enthusiasm that I particular that I need at the moment. Yeah. And like I said, you know, and I know people are mad about the decks, but I'm like, uh, honestly, I mean, I, I'm not speaking for everyone, but for myself, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm only going to like really focus on six Pokemon. So I don't really care if I get a thousand. I guess I think Jim Sterling made a good point. The decks just me just, is just showcases that like, it's not a bad complaint, but like, it just shows how passionate, how passionate the Pokemon base could be. Yeah. The fact is everybody will have a, favorite and and if you have a favorite that didn't make it in there it means that pokemon means something to you yeah like i mean i'm 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 all the car so (laughs) and it it is you know that's 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 kind of magic is that uh for pokemon fan is that you'll have some none of the stuff that you like in the game are gonna are gonna be the same as what other people have right they're not gonna have that same exact personalized experience of getting attached it's the same specific team yeah i mean you know there's something for everybody so I was only partial to the Eevees myself, for example, and the uh, like Pokemon X. Oh yeah, I mean, and evolving all evolving different ones. Yeah, Tessa, she's like that too. She loves the Eevees and the Eevee line, and you know, and that, and hey, they do got Eevee in in this, and you know, they got Pikachu. So you know, it'd be ballsy. It would be ballsy one day they just don't have a Pikachu. Oh man, in a Pokemon game. Well, one day, well, if they want to. Re- okay, maybe that's one way to get the Pokemon base perhaps completely enraged somehow. Even though I don't think Pikachu's not everybody's team just say one day like we're not gonna have pikachu in this game that would be a way for them to really test how their fans would actually react to another game right <laughs> oh, i know i mean yeah there's like a uh, handful that you must always have let me see who are they they're like pikachu eevee meowth charizard charmander yeah yeah, yeah charizard and yeah that's pretty much it i feel like those are the only ones you have to have yeah, um pretty much mandatory for you to have those I mean, it was kind of shocking not to see a Squirtle or a Bulbasaur. It was right. it was pretty surprising because that's they've been mainstays. It felt like for a pretty long time. Yeah, I know. I mean, especially for people who might have grown up on that old cartoon. Oh, I know. I mean, but but at the same time, I mean, I, I kind of wouldn't mind like seeing a game without like these iconic Pokemon. Like let some let some of the other ones. Like I want to see Mimikyu take up the Pikachu role just once. You know, let that poor guy actually have a day in the spotlight. I mean, he's already dressing up like a Pikachu just to get attention. Come on, man, get let him have it <laughs> one game. <laughs> That'd be nice. I would like. I would actually like that too. I, I think the whole Pokedex thing in general was completely blown out of control. Right. Is the problem? Like I said, I think the problem was that the developers made an excuse and they needed to deliver on that excuse. Yeah, they really. That's did. the that was that was that's pretty much what ended up happening. They basically said, "We're gonna make something qual. We're gonna we're gonna make up the fact we don't have this." And we'll show you exactly why we had to do this. And I don't think they convinced people. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't convince those critics that this was a legitimate reason to cut the Pokedex. Because so for, for what they delivered, the fans probably thought for those people that didn't like the Dexit, they were just thinking to themselves like, well, if it's going to be like this, you should have just brought all of them back in. Right. What was the point of making a game like this if you're going to do this anyway? But anyway, I figured I would go off of games for a bit okay. before closing out. This was a good discussion, though. I thought like we had a very fun discussion about the game shows and 
and some of the game stuff. Right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Harley Quinn, the new show I happen to catch two episodes of, yeah. which is on DC Universe subscription. And um, it's a lovely show. It's a really, really fun show. And I'm shocked that's actually nearly as good as it, as it is. Because I have issues with the Harley Quinn character sometimes. Yeah. I feel like she's inconsistently written amongst writers. And only a few writers, I think, make an interpretation that I particularly like. But the interpretation they decided to go with for this particular an adult animated show is pretty much the Harley Quinn I wish I saw everywhere. Yeah, I want Which to... is a... Oh, sorry, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I wanted to watch it, but I admittedly, with all the craziness of the holiday season, I kept forgetting. Yeah, I think about that. I think there's two episodes out, three... Ep- we're about to go three episodes in, I think, with this weekend, probably either tonight or tomorrow. And it also involves, like, if you want to watch it legitimately, you have to sign up with the DC Universe app, mm-hmm. which I don't think is worth doing. <laughs> I, I know it has all the, the old DC animated shows. It has um, the DC movies on there. And you also have access to the comic books. But I, for myself, I couldn't imagine paying the Netflix subscription rate t- for just that. Uh, I feel like I need more than that. Like, yeah. um, they have other stuff like Titans, and that show looks terrible. Yeah. So I'm not interested in that. I don't know. Maybe if they, like, did something like, uh, like kind of like what Disney did with their Disney Plus service, like have it bundled with a bunch of other stuff you, I might be interested in, like Star Wars, like old Disney shows, or like well, I get. I, well, well the, you're right. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. And I'm actually so sh- I'm shocked that HBO Max hasn't tried to just integrate their services with DC Universe because right. I believe HBO Max is pretty much in bed with Warner Brothers, right? I think so. I, I think so. Yeah, like they have access to all that stuff. So why don't they just combine their services and maybe make Harley Quinn part of HBO? HBO Max doesn't appeal to me at all, but I feel like by itself that some of the DC Universe stuff would be better in a package right? or being part of like that service and it would make, make it more appealing. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised uh, Warner Brothers hasn't just gone ahead and done something similar to Disney Plus. Like, you know, call it like the Water Tower and like, but like have like old, all the old Looney Tunes and Boomerang shows and Cartoon Network you know the popular shows from back in the day yeah i know it's surprising because they do have access to all that stuff they're probably watching disney's um plus and seeing how it's doing hmm. and i i think they're their first reiteration hbo max i think they'll probably look at the sales and the sub numbers and then probably decide how they'll move from there and on the one hand uh, uh, it's streaming services are kind of a complex thing where i like streaming services but i also don't like where it's going yeah it's, <laughs> it's kind of getting into that uh murky i mean it's not as bad as like the whole epic games uh debacle but i mean it's getting into that murky thing where everyone's kind of trying to kind of hoard it's like oh well these are our shows and movies we're gonna have them over here ha you gotta pay us now i mean it's funny us south park did an episode apparently on this whole subject where it's like the disney plus episode where (laughs) where the whole point is that one of the characters scott malik scott Malikson? Ah, damn it. I'm fucking up his last name. I know who Mac, uh, Anyway, the, the, he's a diabetic kid. He's a kid who has diabetes. I should just say that. Um, but like his... But like his, uh, but his dad, you find you find out that his dad's a cable. He's he's a cable guy. He works with like a cable provider service. And so the whole point is that Scott wants to get like Disney Plus to impress a girl who also has diabetes, and because he thinks they're made for each other because they both have diabetes. And but the dad's pretty much anti-streaming services, and he doesn't. And he's like losing subscribers every day. Oh jeez. <laughs> So like here's a whole thing where he's just teaming up with the other cable guys to be like we have to get rid of cable services forever and like and they, their whole joke there. 
there is that um, they're getting told from like corporate or upper from from higher up, being like, "Oh, someone's asking to do a cable hookup, but you need to be better than the streaming services. You need to show people are dropping cable like flies. You need to." Apparently, they're always complaining about service, and then the guy's like, "You know what? I'm totally on it. I'm gonna totally like you know rush over there and get it done." And then the whole joke is that they always they never get there on time. They always <laughs> no whatever window they do, whatever if they do like 12 p.m. to like 5 p.m., they always get to the house at like 5:30 p.m. Oh wow! And then the, and then the customer will complain and be like, "Like why are you, why aren't you um why weren't you here before five? And he says, "Like what? 30 minutes? We made great time." <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a, that's pretty good and they'll show what they're doing is like they have like epic driving music they're driving really fast but then you just see them going to the supermarket and going food shopping <laughs> or they're going to McDonald's <laughs> they're going to McDonald's on the way to like the customer or they're you know, they go to McDonald's and they'll go to the park and they're just eating the burger at, like while watching birds Wow. <laughs> so like it's, it's a great episode if you haven't caught catched it but like caught it but like it's pretty much like um everyone's been weighing in on streaming services and it's kind of like a, it's i think everyone decided to get exclusivity and ownership of specific things and separating out all these different products is a pain in the ass <laughs> It's yeah. gonna be. It's it's becoming a pain in the ass. Really I thought is. I was like I know Crunchyroll and Funimation had this issue briefly, and it's not as much of an issue now. But like when it first happened, people were like, "Oh God, they're everything split up between like two or three different giants." But now it's even worse than something like that. It's happening with like it's like NBC, CBS, um, HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu slash Disney Plus. Right. Everyone. Um, has their own specific service with exclusivity rights to specific shows and it's all part of their a la carte packaging and what I what used to seem very convenient is now inconvenient overcome is becoming inconvenient now right and i mean for for me for my money i mean i mean i'm kind of worried about just how bad it's going to get with everyone constantly trying to divide things up i mean i'm surprised sony honestly hasn't tried to like you know find a way to pull uh, permanently rip spider-man away from disney so they could start up their own little service because you know they'd probably want to but i think you know they realize it's probably better not to risk getting bought up by them like fox did because I mean, <laughs> Disney could do that if they really wanted to. Yeah, it's true. Actually, that's a good point about Sony. If Sony was going to associate with anybody, it probably—I imagine the closest people they've associated with is Netflix at the moment. Right. More than um, in terms of like where they would put their other products in terms of for streaming purposes. But eventually, I could see Sony putting entry deals with Disney and offering it on their streaming app. Yeah. So there's a lot of deals like that. It's pretty wild. Like everything's separated. Yeah. I mean, it's actually was kind of shocking to me that when I heard that Hulu was actually going to join up with Disney and and ESPN, though. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because Disney owns the majority ownership, owns the majority of Hulu. That's the only reason they could pull that off. Oh. But it's still pretty crazy. It's Hulu used to be like, you know, like we have, we used to, Hulu used to have everything. Right. And they have a lot of NBC stuff. But once NBC does its own service, they're probably going to pull everything off of Hulu. Right. And then which and then I'm and that's way less programming. I think that's why I think it's probably Oh no, go on. You first. Yeah. No, it's it's just wild because the whole point of streaming services is that it's convenient. It was a nice alternative to paying for cable channels and cable packages. Right. But now it's kind of more obnoxious. It's becoming more obnoxious in a way because now you're paying, you're choosing to pay eight buck, eight to like twelve bucks a month. Is, well, or is HBO more than that? But like it's um, HBO is usually you're paying more. 
pricey. 15? Is it 15 maybe I'm thinking of? Is it 15 they want to do a month? HBO Max? I think so. Uh, it, yeah, that's crazy. 8 to 15 from these services then. Like, it's just balls. I'm not looking forward when HBO Max comes out because I'll be like, ugh. <laughs> right, I mean... Like, I, I feel like that's when services will feel really split up. Because right now it's not terrible. Like, right now Disney Plus for me is mostly all about The Simpsons. Right. <laughs> it's still about The Simpsons for me. It's still... It's like 25 years of Simpsons. I'm just like, wow, this is... I really like watching this just for The Simpsons. And I've and my Netflix is... I lost... Um, I think I ran out of Netflix like uh, a week ago. And I haven't missed it, but I know I'll miss it once stuff starts coming out like that I'm interested in. Right. Probably in a couple of weeks. I mean, for me, uh, I mean, I, I've been watching Disney mostly for like The Simpsons and other like nostalgic movies and shows like, you know, like the Gummy Bears or like those old Disney cartoons. Um, I still keep <laughs> Netflix running just because... They're kind of doing the smart thing, I think, and that they're, they've been aggressively making their own shows and movies to kind of counteract like all the you know divisions that are going on with the pre-established uh, properties right now. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that's going to keep them afloat going forward. Um, of course, I got Amazon's uh, Prime, so I got their stuff, and that's pretty good for like really old Which I, stuff. No, that's true. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, right now, as of its moment, aside from maybe The Witcher this month, there isn't anything that's appealing to me until BoJack's final season comes down in January. I was going to say, honestly, I've been watching like a, like their Shira. I've been watching that. Their Carmen San Diego. Like, I, lo- I love a lot mm-hmm. of their animated works, especially the anime they've been doing. I've, I've even kind of started watching that DC Superhero Girls. Which is such a bizarre show, but I do like kind of like the relationship they set up with that, especially like with uh, Batgirl and Harley Quinn, like where they're friends. I'm surprised that's I'm I'm surprised that's on Netflix. I just realized why would that not be on you to just strictly a DC universe? I don't know. I mean, but yeah, they've been running it through Netflix too, and uh, I don't know. But I mean, I like that because like they're friends, but they don't realize they're also enemies. So it's kind of an interesting little twist. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, in fact, I know I got off topic talking about streaming. Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn. Before we end the stream, right? Or uh, this uh, this podcast, um, Harley Quinn's. Um, yeah, I know you haven't watched it, but the show reminds me of like early Rick and Morty combined with the uh, Venture Brothers and Harvey Birdman. Oh, nice. That's that. Those three shows come to mind. Those three properties come to mind in terms of uh, like the tone and the humor they seem to be going with. And it's, uh, but it's not nearly as like nihilistic, uh, nihilistic as like Rick and Morty. It it, 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 se- it has, seems to have more fun with itself like Venture Brothers in terms of like the super villainy. Because nice. I always thought the best part of Venture Brothers was like the... Um, the monarch. You know, the... The monarch and all his buddies, and the guild of the calamitous intent. <laughs> they seem to be going for that. Or they they seem to be going for that type of humor with Harley Quinn. Okay, that sounds so. Awesome. Like all the villains, so all the villains. So it's very villainous focused, and a lot of the villains are like kind of being like they're they're making fun of them. They're making fun of these villains to a degree, but these villains are also very like. They try to make them as casual as possible, right? You know, like people wait, like they'll talk. There's an, there's a big idea that villains talk about each other behind each other's backs, and they'll make fun of each other and mock each other. Yeah, and they'll be like, they'll, and there's like a villain code in terms of like what villains should not be doing. What what makes one villain more of a loser than the other one? And that's something that Venture Brothers always really succeeded at was this idea of like, um, you know, there's tiers of villains and why there are and why some villains are considered much better. It's because there's like a set of rules. 
yeah. there's a guide. And the DC and DC's Harley Quinn really hints at this really interesting villain tier. Like Joker's on the high tier, while you have like Harley Quinn starting out being at the low tier because she's she has to basically make it on her own to basically show that she could be better than Joker. Huh. I mean, no, that sounds pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of like the old Super Friends days, you know, when they would hang out in the Hall of Doom, you know, and they kind of it was it was treated like kind of like as a weird job in a way. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 exactly, it's completely like that. It's the idea that these are jobs, these villains, and so like they'll make fun of like, and they'll have a lot of fun with that. They make they make fun of Bane a lot, for example, <laughs> and they specifically go after the Bane voice from The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, that's awesome. And so like you know, Bane will be doing everyday things. It'll be like in a coffee shop or something. He doesn't get the order right on his coffee, and then he threatens to blow up the stadium. <laughs> and his like Sean Connery Falk voice, and people are just like, oh, Bane's doing something ridiculous again, and he's doing that funny voice. Oh God, I hate him. <laughs> so you know it's very like it's it's very like funny and it makes me it makes me smile a lot they do a lot with and almost all the villains have at least in the ones they've introduced or basically they're all villains we're used to but like uh like there's a great gag for example i don't want to spoil the first episode that much but there's a great gag with calendar man yeah where his family comes to visit him and he has a son and the joke there is that his that is that he doesn't know his son's own birthday oh wow <laughs> despite the fact he's the calendar man so he knows that all the dates and everything else for everything around him and for crimes and specific events but like his son comes to visit he's like dad you forgot my birthday and it's a very it's such a like a weird it's such a weird funny joke if you know like what calendar man's supposed to be like <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> you can tell the, the creators are having a lot of fun with that and making it they're like willing to basically basically make these classic villains and completely undercut them by just making them slightly out of character but yet being true to the character at the same time and and one of the ways they do it is they throw a lot of F-bombs. They intentionally – and that's where the Rick and Morty stuff really comes in, I think, is the, the gross-out humor and the violence and the F-bombs. Not, the Venture Brothers has it too, but I feel like it leans more into Rick and Morty in terms of like the decapitations. Right. Like skin being ripped off somebody's face, um, just the, the ridiculous amount of swearing. <laughs> Um, like everyone, I feel like I, I think the first episode at least has like 40 or 50 times they said fuck. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And that's like the main character that's Poison Ivy. It's like everybody who's, um, they're just swearing off. It's a, it's, and it's like, it's really funny. Like they, re- it's just a really funny show, but it has meaning. It has, um, the idea is that Harley Quinn finally figures out in this specific first episode that Joker doesn't love her, doesn't love her at all. Oh, wow. And just wants to feel like he has. Has something to own and that his true love is that he loves batman more than he loves her <laughs> oh so they're going with that joker they're going with that joker they're going with the joke that's almost like the lego batman joker where like the joke is is that he's like he's in, in a romantic way if given the choice he will sacrifice everything to keep the batman alive wow because he's what gives meaning to his life it's not ever gonna be like harley quinn i actually kind of always like that weird dynamic though. i always thought it was kind of such an interesting dynamic for the joker so mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad they're actually going with that one in this. Yeah, and it's not like home. I don't know. I don't want to say it's necessarily homoerotic what they're doing, but like it's or even romantic. But it's very like it's very clear what his what his priorities are. Right. And Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn doesn't struggle with this. She doesn't like after the like once the first episode revelations hit and going to the second episode, she kind of hates the Joker at this point. She thinks he's like a deplorable piece of shit, right? <laughs> and is willing to do. But and a lot of the issues with him is that she wants to really get 
back at him by showing that she can do everything he can do, but way better, and to be her own person and and outdo him. Right. Which makes for a very interesting character arc because you know how do you make a good show about a supervillain doing bad things? And this is one way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or you know just have them like you know be uh, comedically bad at their job. So. <laughs> Which that's been done to death. With, uh... That's true, and that usually means they're also giving that character a specific level of like, con- like um, they're very conscious of what they're do- they're doing bad things, right? And they and they do a little bit of that like they the poison ivy ver- the version of poison ivy they're doing in this show is much more sympathetic than I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Like she's pretty much I mean she's very kind to Harley, but she seems to actually you know she has her own rule. She does, it doesn't mean she's above killing, but she won't kill out of like she won't kill needlessly, right? So. She, it's not like she's like, oh, I gotta save this plant's life, and that plant's life has more value than a human life. And if she feels like she's about to cause like a human death by accident, she'll go out of her way to fix something. Huh. She won't let like an innocent person die. Okay, so definitely a more humanitarian version of Iron it's Man. that. It's a little bit of that Venture Brothers Guild rules type of thing where they, they like there's certain there's rules of hostages, there's rules of like there's like unsaid rules about how you're supposed to handle a situation, right? And they and that seems to be what they're going with, and I think it was a smart way to go with a, with with attacking this right because you want to build something that's kind of like you want to build something that beyond having a wacky character you have to build a world that that fans can get invested in and understand you know like what's good or bad or what you know how does this world function for these characters and they establish that very quickly yeah and i mean that's- like, like the joker the joker is still chaotic he's still a chaotic force people still don't want to fuck with the joker but even the joker generally listens to specific rules right and i mean that's good though because i mean you you kind of want to root for these characters especially if they're your focus at the end of the day so you can't just have them be completely horrible people yeah, exactly. That's it's absolutely it's absolutely true. The the sympathetic bad guy, you know, you have to just you know, it's 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 tough. It's tough to write that sometimes. It's easier to, it's easier you make them a full time hero, you end up making them a hero. Right. Or you um you make them kind of wacky and competent, like you said. Right. Or you go the opposite direction and make them really terrible human beings, but you have to uh you have to do it like a different you have to somehow give them rules. Right. And that's kinda like the, it's like the Dexter. It's what they did with Dexter, they he did a lot of horrible things. He was a bit of a monster, right. but he had a set of rules, and those rules kind of made the show. Right. Without the rules, he was just he wouldn't be nearly as interesting. Or you know, or, or like another villain portrayal I really liked was the uh, the Spider Man, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider Man Vulture. I mean, that was a pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause, yeah, he did some horrible things, but you know, at the end of the day, you could kind of re- you can kind of understand, like you can sympathize for why he did what he did. I mean, it was either this or basically, you know, ghost ghost hungry you know go without a root yeah no yeah yeah yeah, having somebody just go crazy just because they're evil is never uh, is not quite acceptable in today's storytelling. Right. And I think the only character that up to like what they did with the new Todd Phillips Joker, Joker was always that force that kind of went that ran counter to that. Where Joker was a bit of a he like his whole thing is that I'm an, I'm an agent of chaos. Right. So like you don't need to sympathize with me as much as that I'll be the agent of change and you have to react to me. But I won't go into Todd Phillips' Joker today. I've talked enough about that before. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, um, Harley Quinn, um, excellent show. Highly recommend. There's only two episodes out right now. I think a third one's coming this weekend. Um, the, there's a preview for the next episode, the third episode that has Wonder Woman in it, briefly, apparently. Huh. 
and she's facing off against um I think maybe Dr. Psycho. Um but he but the whole hook there is that Dr. Psycho says the F bomb at her and everyone in the public is like, What? Why would you say that? <laughs> And one woman's face is like, "Whoa, you like went kind of far there." So they're like, it's, "I'm already excited to see that episode because there's an idea, like the idea that like everyone's just like, what like has these this decorum or set of villain rules." I'm always eager to see you know how they play that out. But you know, aside from that, um, probably going to keep playing some more Death Stranding and preparing for the inevitable holidays. Yeah, no, I'll probably check out these two episodes after we get off here. But um, yeah, as far as what I'm going to do, I'm probably just going to play, play play more Pokemon, play some more Nier, because I've been rediscovering that. I, I decided... Uh, to that's right, we didn't get to talk about that, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You started fresh, right? Yeah, I started fresh just because I could not remember a whole lot of things. And probably for the best, that, you know, that I didn't get to talk about it tonight, because I'm hoping to finish it by next time, so we can, I can actually kind of, you know, do my complete thoughts on it, rather than my midway through thoughts that I got going on now. Has it, um, I mean, I know you don't want to talk about the whole thing now, but like, has it been enjoyable? Yeah, I mean, or no? no, it is, it's, but you know, I, I would, I'd be lying if it said it doesn't frustrate me at times, but. Well, I'm glad you're having fun with it, at least. It's, um, it's not easy to sometimes go back and replay something you have played before and not feel like a bit of tedium or feel f- like frustration. It kind of helps too that. I mean, I guess I didn't get too, too far the first time around, so I'm not exactly, so I'm not like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I was like right at the end and I'm starting from the beginning, you know. So there's still plenty to kind of entice me to keep going. Okay, that's good. Anyway, I think this is a good place to leave off. Yeah, so this was a fun cast. Yes, this was. It's like, it's, this is like the second time we actually had like just a one-on-one but hopefully we'll have a uh, Drake and Chessa in the next one. Um, I'm not sure when our next one will be. I don't know if we'll get another one out before Christmas or New Year's. Uh, if not, we could just do it. We could do it after the holidays. And there's actually more to talk about after the holidays because people probably picked up some goodies or picked up something right. new or interesting. Probably, I imagine one of one of us will probably have got a new game or something geeky for Christmas. Oh, I imagine. <laughs> so there'll be plenty to talk about there too as well. Oh yeah, so we can do like a big old like after Christmas like this is what I got. <laughs> it's like, are you jealous? No. <laughs> so anyway, I want to thank everyone who listened to us tonight. We do hope that you have a wonderful holiday. If you'd like any of the music that was featured on our podcast tonight, you can find it uh, at incompetech.com. As always, it is written and produced by Kevin McLeod. If you would like to send us any emails, our email is retrofantasyfan at gmail.com. Uh, again, if we do not see you before Christmas or the New Year, we do want to wish you a happy holiday. For Z, I am Ani. Thank you and have a great night.